Thanks for tuning in to Seriously Call Me, a podcast where we talk about entertainment highlights and pop culture, basically anything that has gone on this week. We took a break last week because it was kind of crazy, but we're back, and you're here with our, your hosts, Alani and... Ariana. And Ariana just finished her internship at Variety, so big round of applause for her. Yay. Thank you. Insert clap track here um (laughs) okay so this week um if anyone knows us they know that we love jane the virgin i basically binge watched the whole third season in a matter of a week just so i could watch the season finale when it premiered and then i bugged and bugged ariana to watch it okay well let's let's rewind a little bit (laughs) <laughs> freshman and sophomore year like borderline begged Amani to watch Jane the Virgin because oh, no. I was obsessed with it and I loved it so much and I would watch it with my friend back in California when I was in Evanston because I loved it so much I thought it was so original just the concept and everything like I'm so sick if you if you have listened to anything on this podcast, you'll know I'm so sick of medical dramas. I'm so sick of pop dramas, firefighters. So, seeing Jane the Virgin, I first watched the trailer, and honestly, the CW, I think, does a terrible job of first trailers with their shows, because for this and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I was like, these are not shows I'm going to be interested in. They also suck at promo in general. Sorry, go on. (laughs) So, then, fast forward to... Um, the start of season three, which I believe first aired in 2016, fall 2016, um, and I, oh, that's when we went to London, but also I got behind because I heard, spoiler alert, this whole episode's gonna be a spoiler alert. This whole episode, I will put it in the description, but it's basically a whole spoiler. If you're not caught up with Jane the Virgin, you need to turn back now. Just turn back. Yeah, you visit us in the future. Her up, um, then come back. You won't regret it. At least I, so I didn't regret it. I, I'm honestly not a big fan of love triangle plots, but I endured this because I, I'm Team Michael, by the way. But I, you know, I don't dislike Raphael. I just don't think that he fits good with Jane. I honestly prefer him with Petra. Um, don't hate me. I I like Petra, guys. I I like shows where the character that's not the main character and sometimes is their adversary, you can still root for. So, start of season three, I saw online, and I was a few episodes behind, that Michael was killed off. And I was devastated. (laughs) So, I stopped watching up until a couple weeks ago. I might have binged watched stuff faster than Alani. So, I... (laughs) I was not interested in Jane the Virgin, and then I covered an event for Variety, and the showrunner was there, Jennifer Snyder Ehrman, um, was one of the panelists, the speakers at this event that was basically, like, honoring women and, or just getting um, feedback or advice from women in TV, and she said that when 
between the Virgin, the narrator and the writing on the screen were one of the final steps that they shot the pilot and then rewatching it. She was like, it needs something. And she just decided to add that, which I thought was so interesting because it's one of the things that makes the show so unique and honestly makes me laugh more so than what the characters are doing. So I heard her say that and it kind of made me remember how much I enjoyed the narrator and that like tongue in cheek with the audience and how you had to be so involved to watch the show. Like it can't be a background show because you have to be watching what's on the screen. So that kind of made me want to back into it. But then I saw lots of people talking about the season four finale and I didn't want to see what it was about, but I saw there was like a moment on Twitter and everything. And I was like, I feel kind of left out. And then Alani was busy binging. So I was like, maybe I'll give it a go. So I binged all of this, the last of the third season, basically all of it. Cause I only watched three episodes and then I binged all the four seasons to get the finale. And it was definitely worth the wait. I enjoyed this revelation that someone who looks like Michael or Michael, whoever it is, I don't care. Because I just care about the actor more so. Um, but I think he's great. And it made me sad that he wasn't um, on the show anymore. So, um, yeah, I was excited for that twist at the end. I loved how the whole thing was about surprise and I was not paying attention because there were so many red herrings in that episode but they were well done where I wasn't focusing and I was like oh the surprise is like the tongue-in-cheek JR shot who like I love that I thought that was gonna be the main thing and then Michael came out of nowhere which also I, I kind of knew that it would have something to do with Brett because I saw him tweeting but I didn't read what he was tweeting about but, um, and then I watched the Twitter video of him coming back to them and just not even Gina's reaction, but, um, Justin Baldoni's reaction. It was yeah, so cute. See? I love Justin Baldoni. Oh, I love that man so much. And he has such a cute relationship. Him and Brett were such good friends. And I felt so bad when they had to leave when he left. But yeah, it definitely delivered. It made me excited them back. But also I feel kind of stupid now that I binged all of that for a show that's not coming back to October. I think, like, I should have waited and watched this over the summer and spaced it out better. But it's allowed me to uh, YouTube some videos of Jade and Michael and how they fell in love. Because I honestly forgot a lot of their things together. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm glad that I'm back. Yeah, so as Ariana said, she was telling me to watch it a couple years ago and I really don't even know why I didn't I, I again as we said the CW's like promos for it probably didn't really do much to help but um I don't know just I was preoccupied with other things I guess but I had recently just finished like all of the shows that I was watching other than Supergirl which is ongoing but in terms of like just, like, other things I was watching on Netflix. I had finished all of Jessica Jones. I really wasn't into Wild Wild Country. So I started, I picked up Jane the Virgin, and I instantly fell in love. Within the first two episodes, I was hooked. And it's just coming from a Latinx family, just, it really, really, really resonated. And a lot of the stuff in there, I, like, really... Even though they're Venezuelan in the show and I'm Mexican, like, I don't know. I just, like, really connected with it, all of that. 
and a lot of it's hilarious. The telenovela references and the narrator and everything just was amazing. And then also, of course, the drama and the writing. I just, I live for a good dramatic storyline. Nothing, I don't like when it's cheap. I don't like when it's poorly written. But when you can deliver it well, like Jane the Virgin does, where each episode you're just like on the edge of your seat, that's that's just, it's amazing. <laughs> and I don't think I've seen a show that does that like Jane the Virgin does. And I don't know, it was just amazing. And I was, I watched it all over spring break and I think I was on... I finished season three right before the season four finale came out, which was, like, April 20th. So then I literally, I started season four that Sunday before April 20th, which is a Friday. And it was a Friday. And I watched all of season four in that week. And I didn't think I was going to do it, but I did it. And I'm really happy with it because I'm sitting there on Friday night, like, clutching my wine at the end of that episode. I was shook, does not even describe how I felt. And if you cannot tell by Ariana's side and the title of this episode, I am Team Raphael. And we can debate <laughs> later why. But I just love him. And so he and Jane were at such a good point <laughs> in their relationship. <laughs> and then Michael comes back. So, oh my gosh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just so livid about it. Like, I think it's hilarious. Oh my goodness. I, I thought you were, like, bawling for a oh, second. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm, like, laughing because I'm so angry. <laughs> when I get angry, I either laugh or cry. I was just laughing, by the way, if you couldn't tell. But I was so livid. I was sitting there, like, for five minutes. First off, thinking that this is one of the best season finale cliffhangers they've ever pulled. So kudos to them. But also, because I'm usually one to, like, guess everything, and I usually foresee everything really easily, and I did not see this coming, I thought that Raphael was going to be, like, Jane's long-lost brother or something like that, because they were alluding to long-lost brothers. Yeah, that was one of the red herrings, but yeah. then also... It was just, it was, okay, sorry to interrupt you, continue. No, 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 you're fine, but, I mean, basically, to end my rant, um, this season finale, I think, takes the cake, and I really enjoyed it, because, one, everything else in that finale was amazing, um, I really liked it, like we've said, I also root, root for Petra, and I think that was the episode where Petra tells Jane she loves her, and it was the cutest moment I've ever seen in my life, where Jane's, like, she's talking to her, and... Jane basically saying, I love you, and blah, blah, and then Petra's like, <laughs> Petra says something like, yeah, 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 and then she goes, I love you too, and then Jane hugs her, and then she gives her a little kiss on the forehead. Oh, I know, I love their, the relationship and their Sunday brunch. Yeah. yeah, it's so cute, and I love Petra, so like, I mean, like, the whole episode was amazing, and then yeah. I was waiting, I was waiting for it, because Justin Baldoni uh, Instagrammed about it, like, not to miss it, and if you miss it, not to go on social media, and then Jaime plays Rogelio de la Vega, who is my favorite character. Um, it's a wonderful day to call Rogelio, to call Rogelio. <laughs> I love that man so much. Jaime Camille, um, he also tweeted about it, and also responded to Justin Baldoni's Instagram. So, like, basically they were hyping the hell out of it. And we, what was it? It was, like, the last, like, 20 seconds. So the whole episode, up until, like, 
the the end. I'm like, what's ha- what's gonna happen? That's gonna leave me so shook. And they delivered, and it was great. Whew. Yeah, I just wanna say that to like add to what you were saying, just to like praise this finale even more. Afterwards, I was reading all of Jennifer's articles because obviously that's what I do, and. She was basically saying that because they're like a telenovela, they have like a lot of these over the top dramatic moments. But oh, the yeah. important part is how the characters deal with them. That's what differs from telenovelas. It's just like not one thing after another that they like to pay attention to the fallout, which I think is super important. And also something that she pointed out, which I think is important. Obviously, the story is about Jane, and that's what some love triangles do poorly: is that you're more focused on rooting for the guys instead of rooting for the girl. Mm -hmm. Which is not what our Team Michael versus Team Raphael debate is about. It's not about which guy we like better. It's about which one makes Jane. Which is one's good for Jane. It's all about Jane. Yes. But. Absolutely. So her point was like, it's not about a love triangle for Jane. It's just which guy is right for her and which point of her life. And thinking about her saying that. There were so many clues, not only the finale, but leading up to the finale, that I completely just missed, like you were saying, because of this Petra storyline and everything else. Like, they had not mentioned Michael in a few episodes, and then they randomly mentioned him, I think in the episode before the finale. And then she saw that letter. I think in the the finale, doesn't she see when she starts to write um, the novel that the novel that begins how the pilot begins, where she starts, like, 13 years ago, when she opens her drawer and takes the, like, her book that has to do with Michael, they start playing their music, like, their song, which they hadn't played in a long time. And they were, there were these hints throughout, like, Rogelio was talking about that amnesia plotline on his telenovela and they were talking about long lost like siblings and stuff and I was like oh it has to do with Raphael don't make her Raphael's long lost sister that's gonna be so gross oh my gosh and then when you see it it's just like oh my gosh but I will say that Raphael's behavior in that finale made me so much more team Michael and I was I wasn't team Raphael at all when Michael died but I was getting used to him but he kind of irritated me in the finale so we can dive into our team michael versus team Raphael debate starting now okay sure we'll start with why did that make you feel that way about michael because i thought Raphael handled it greatly considering everything okay telling her yes and you could see how much pain he was in that was very good acting by justin to like open the door and have to tell her this and know that she chose Michael before and there's a very good chance that she'll choose him again. But the thing that pissed me off is obviously we don't see the scene where Rose tells him this information, whatever the information is, that it's Michael, that it's his look like, whatever. But the thing that pisses me off is that she asks him about it and he sleeps with her. And it, like, the way, the way I view that scene and the way that I think about it now is, like, for me, it was, like, some type of domination over her, control over her, to sleep with her, as of explaining to her what happened, and that really upset me. Like, that that was his first response instead of 
telling her, like, let me sleep with you to remind you what we have for this. Like, it just seemed very inappropriate and out of character for him, especially because I will admit that since Michael's death, he grew a lot as a character and changed a lot and became more of someone that I think fits in with Jane's behavior. Mm -hmm. But I will add to my Team Michael argument that they essentially gave him Michael's traits. So... I said this over message um, to Ariana. I do not agree with that last bit. I'll go into the rest of it, but I don't agree with the last bit because to say that they, I think, they didn't give him Michael's traits, I see it as they just made him a better human being because Jane made him a better human being. So he no longer is, I mean, the cancer made him even less arrogant than before, like before he was a total douchebag. But his cancer made him, you know, see the light, blah, blah, blah. He became a better person. Okay, whatever. But then as you go through these four seasons, he has gone through jail. He now has three kids. He has gone through good and bad relationships. And I think he's just grown as a person into an even better person. So I don't think he has Michael's traits because, yes, Michael was a good guy. From season one, he was a good guy. That we know of, by the way. We're not sure what his double life is. He's been gone for three plus years at this point. I'm just going to say that. But anyway, so I don't think he got Michael's traits. I just think he became a better person. And I think, honestly, he has one of the best character development storylines I've seen in a long time. And so that's all I'm going to say about that. And then I can't even remember all of your other plot, your other points, but... I... Oh, is that the thing with her thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to talk about that because afterward it did bother me as well. And I think it may be like in that moment he regressed back to his old habits. But I think also what if Michael was in the like the apartment or the apartment next door and he did it so that Michael heard, although that'd be even grosser, so let's steer away from that, because whatever. I know they're going to touch on it in season five, and Jane is going to be pissed. Like, I think she's going to be pissed, because she's going to know that Raphael knew one or two days before, you know, and she's going to she's gonna know. I feel like they're going to touch on that, and what that means, why he did it, and everything. And, I mean, what he did was not okay, no matter what it was, whether it was him regressing or him dom showing dominance over Jane or whatever, what he did was not okay. But what I do think is that it's a really good sign of further character development because it just shows that he has, he has that struggle there with who he used to be. And everyone's human, you know, like people get jealous. This guy that she was married with, who he, who he, she chose over Raphael is now back. And so he's just like in crisis mode and so, I don't know, Did what he did was not correct, was not okay, but I do see why he did it, and it was consensual sex, so that's all I'm going to say about that, but... Okay, <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let that die, because we, like, kind of agree on that, okay. but back to my point of being like Michael, <laughs> here's what my example is, the reason I think Petra and... Okay, Petra and Raphael have similar traits in that they're ruthless, and they pointed out, like, this was something they were mocking Petra about in the fourth season, that she only does things to get things from other people. Mm -hmm. And Raphael became better at not doing that the fourth season, but Michael and Jane have it in common, and I think Raphael mentioned to her 
He mentions it to her when when he when Michael and um, Raphael had that funny scene where they go to work out with each other, and Raphael's hating on this married woman. Yeah. And Raphael goes to her, and he's like, "I know why you guys are together. You're both really judgy." And Michael and Jane are super judgy people, which is why they fit in with each other. And Raphael became like that, like he was judging Petra. But the thing that made me so irritated in the fourth season was like. They were having him progress, be that good guy, replacing this void of Michael being a good guy in her life. But then it was he was also doing things like he yelled at Louisa and then lied to her about the cancer thing. That was a huge thing where I was like, Raphael has not progressed at all. When he lied to his sister to make her come back to wherever they're supposed to be, Miami. hurting with like a... Uh... A huge criminal, like a few, like I know, but he lied about his cancer, and then he goes to see her because he only wants to get his shares back for the hotel. So that whole part of that storyline, and then when he was sleeping with the that older woman who hits him with her car, which I was just like, what? <laughs> that whole thing too. I was like, okay, Raphael is like still in his similar ways and I binge watched so much I can't tell you if that happens at the end of the third season or the fourth season but yeah. that's where I was like he still has a lot of growth to do especially because this was something I didn't like they teased him and Patrick getting together back together for like one episode and then the next episode she said that he was always going to judge her or something and then a couple episodes after that, she he was back into Jane, and Jane had broken up with Adam or something. Their turnaround to being with each other was really quick, and I think a disservice to Raphael because this goes back to what Alani was saying and what I was saying. She knows that she chose Michael over him, and they're finally having like this moment. Like I said, I'm not Team Raphael. But they were having this moment. They were happy. He was becoming slightly better, but I still think he's not where Jane would want him to be. Like, she's still going to question his actions and the decisions he makes. But they were working towards something. So I'm really wondering why the writers chose now to bring Michael back. I think... Like, it's such... It's such a weird thing. Like I said, the character hadn't been mentioned in a while since the episode before the finale. So, obviously, I missed Michael, but having her with Adam beforehand was kind of, like, a good thing to move on. And also, we didn't have to see her grieve that much because they did that three-year time jump. So, you got used to her. Like, I didn't like her with Raphael, but I got used to her, her with him. So, just throwing Michael in, like, obviously, it was a good twist, but I just want to know why now. I, you know, going back <laughs> to, um, again, I mean, I think it's, like, his further character development of him going back to being a slight douchebag by hooking up with that Catherine girl, um, who is the mogul or whom, or heiress or whomever that will give him money for the hotel, and he does snap out of it, and yeah, and Michael and Jane worked really well because they were really judgy people and Raphael isn't like that because he's one of those people that would be hardcore judged by someone like Jane and he has and I don't know I think of course he's not as good of a goody two-shoes or whatever you want to call it as Michael was or Jane is 
But I mean, like, I think opposites attract. Like, I firmly believe that. And so I think that's why Jane makes him a better person and she makes him want to be a better person. And I think once he realizes that, like, after Jane tries to, like, fight Petra to get him that letter and, like, talks him, talks sense into him, and, of course, after he gets hit by a car, he, I don't know, I think he realizes that. And at that point, they're not together again yet, and she's still making him a better person. And I think they're just super good together. And also... I do want to point out that Jane did choose Raphael before she chose Michael. And the only reason that Raphael and Jane didn't work is because they went too much too fast and it scared both of them. And Michael's in there popping his head in like, hey, remember me? Hey, like we were engaged. Remember me? And like, and I think that like it, it changed how Jane felt. And like, you know, she's like, I felt like. Michael was the safe option. Like, Michael was the one that she knew for a fact she would be happy with. And that, I don't know, I just think that he was the safe option for her. Like, I do think they were in love, and, like, they obviously got married, and they were happy. And when he died, it was devastating. Even to me, who, like, wasn't really a huge fan of Michael. And, you know, they, that was written really well. But I do think that he was the safe option um, and had she and Raphael tried to work it out early in the second season or wherever, whenever they broke up, um, that, you know, she never would have gotten mar married to Michael. I, that's what, that's okay, what but don't they have, I don't know if this is actually accurate because I haven't watched the first or second season in a long time, but Michael pops around at first when she breaks up with him, which I was pissed when she broke up with him, honestly, but doesn't he... He lets it go because doesn't he disappear with his first partner? Not the one that Rose is supposed to be, but his other partner yeah. when she gets shot. Yeah. Isn't he working undercover? So he leaves Jane for a long time. And then Siomara tells Jane that he's dating someone new. So she starts stalking him on the internet. Isn't that a plot? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think she was with Raphael at that point. She was okay, single. But my, my point is he, like, he let it go. So that's what I think was important. I think that whole part of that storyline wasn't to be like Jane saw something better in Raphael. Because I think she also says this right before Michael proposes to her for the second time or whatever, the first time. I think she proposed to him the first time. Um, that she didn't want to go back because there were flaws. But she saw how they were without each other, which I think is very important in their relationship that she got to experience what it was like to be with someone without Michael because on it, they started their relationship pretty young. And now that this Adam storyline happened, which honestly was kind of out of the blue, but I like Tyler Posey, so I'll, I'll allow it. Um, they, they, she, that was only her second relationship, so she needed time away to see why her and Michael worked and fix their problems. And I just think they're great together. And... I I obviously anticipated his death because, like I said, that's why I stopped watching. But if I hadn't known that he was going to die, I would have been so pissed watching that because they were so happy. And she gave him that lunchbox okay. to go take his test. Yeah, that lunchbox. so precious. That lunchbox killed me. And I'm not even a Michael fan. And I died. That was so It precious. was just... 
sweetest thing, and it made me so sad. And when it comes back from the three-year time gap, and she's like having panic attacks, and when they just really, the writers twisted the knife really into did. the wound. When they, when they kept on showing the flashbacks of them, when she would see something, I'd be reminded. I was like, okay, let's. <laughs> we cannot be showing this anymore because I'm just becoming devastated but when Rogelio was like I lost my best friend recently oh, that killed and me. that was it. I know because him and Michael's relationship was so cute when they were doing those voices during their stakeout in the car that one time they just had the best bromance and it made me so sad because you're focusing on Jane and you don't even realize the fallout that these other characters are dealing with his death and I thought that was so smart to have yeah. Rogelio affected by it it's just I miss him, so I hope they don't come back with some amnesia plot like they were teasing. But I don't, I don't know how they re they can say it. They can make this make sense. The only thing I'm thinking is that Jane, obviously, they did a three year time jump, so we never got to see a funeral or a body or anything. And they show us his death off screen, where Jane doesn't see him die. So that's yeah. the only way I can think. Like maybe. That wasn't something true because oh now that I'm thinking in that episode that he dies doesn't she also say the narrator also says like for significant moments in your life you fill in details that happen but they're not really things that happen yeah he said it's something along the lines of like basically perspective as everything yeah I don't know um, maybe that has to do with his death too yeah because also when he dies what what they do show is they show him like pass out and like see like have a seizure like in the hall that he's taking the exam in but they also show that she's on the phone and like it's not even that oh michael is on his way to the hospital it's literally like michael died on site type of thing so like there was no resuscitating like you know what i mean it was very final i don't know but yeah they don't show a body they just show her get that call and she loses it and then Raphael comes in the room um, as she yeah, like, honestly, it. um, it was like very similar to a "This Is Us" death that also happened. So I was just equally very devastated in recent months by heart attack deaths of my two favorite male characters on these shows. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I'm trying to think because if you've read any of Jennifer's interviews that she did, I don't know if this was with EW or Variety, but she did does clarify that it's not his twin oh so because okay. that's it's either say. yeah it's either michael or it's obviously rose is good at mass so it's either someone who has a mask on that's like michael and if that's the case that could make sense because that would make me think that jennifer just brought back um brett because she missed him as a character and just wanted to have him back for a few more episodes but also this is being like kind of said that it's the final season so maybe it is michael but i don't know i don't want an amnesia storyline and i don't understand how he could ever redeem himself if he's just been gone this whole time yeah that's what i'm saying too like jane is going to be pissed because whether it's him or not she thinks that it's him and so it's going to be opening the wound all over again like she had just that anniversary of his death, she had just gotten over it, you know, after three years. 
And so she's going to be pissed because she's obviously going to think that it's him. So she's just, she's going to be pissed. She's going to like, I don't even know the amount of, I don't even know the amount of emotion she's going to go through, but it's going, it's going to be a rocky few episodes for season five, the first few. Um, I'm excited to see what they are, but I'm also just like super, I'm not nervous, but I'm just, ugh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, because they did, they teased the long-lost brother bit, and they teased Amnesia. Part of me thinks that they're going to say it's his long-lost brother, but really it's actually him. So then they put those two tropes that they were hinting at together, and then that leads to an even bigger, like, question of, like, what's going to happen, because obviously the audience would know, because that's also another thing that Jane the Virgin's really good at, is, like, setting the audience up with information that the that everyone else doesn't know. I don't know. Yeah, and then, but then they leave it. Because now I'm thinking about, as you're saying that, remember when she finds the letter and that's that he wrote to her, and then that's when Adam shows up? It's, like, at the end of season three? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in that letter, he's, like, there's a significant line they read, and it's, like, we find each other over and over again but instead of saying like over and over which is typical he says like over and over and over and over again and so i'm like oh, i don't know There's are you back i hope he's back but i mean at this point anything could happen like i really don't know at this so wild like, I threw everything out the window. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? I sat there for a good 20 minutes after I saw the end of that episode, and I was like, what did I just watch? Like, I was so, I don't even know. I don't even know. But it's going to be crazy. Also, Sierramada's, um, her cancer killed me. I was crying multiple times. Oh, I know. The whole the cold cap thing and I immediately knew when they introduced her friend I was like this friend is not gonna last but I didn't expect them to like have her leave in like the next 10 minutes that was so yeah. shocking yeah yeah it's it's a good storyline that like, they handled super well and and portrayed it in such a realistic way it was so good and, like, all this decision she has to go through, and I don't know. I love the show. I love every single character. And if they end up, end up, at this point, killing off anybody that's currently on the show, I think I might ball for, like, five days. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Oh, wait. Jane is obviously Venezuelan, or she plays Venezuelan. Um, what is Raphael supposed to be? He's supposed to be Italian, right? He's Italian. In real life, he's also Italian. I'm a... His his dad's last name is Solano, like his who he thought his biological dad was. So and Luisa is also supposed to be Latina of some sort. So I don't know what he thought he was, but he looked very Italian to me. And in real life, he's Italian, and I'm like he he looks like an Italian man. Um, so I'm glad <laughs> they they actually made him Italian because I'm like he looks very Italian. So we have to wait till October to find this out. Yeah, because the whole thing was like, I know who your mom is. And then she goes and then drops this Michael bomb. So I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the correlation is. If there is one, if he found out who his mother was or his dad, who his real parentage is. 
there's just so many questions. And I want to just watch all of season five now. And they haven't even started filming it yet. Well, basically we'll end this debate with we agree to disagree. Neither of us mortally hate the other one that we're not rooting for. I don't dislike him at all. Uh, at all. I mean, I disliked him in the beginning, but I just prefer him with Petra and her with Michael. It's just like a preference. I don't hate their coupling. Oh, what we haven't talked about, I want to touch on it real quick. Petra deserves to be with JR. Like, oh my God, what an OTP. I love them together. I love them so much. Um, I'm not feeling but not Petra to be happy. I really want Petra to be happy. That's all she deserves. If anyone other than Jane deserves to be happy, it's Petra. And also, what happened to that Chuck guy with the terrible, terrible fake accent? Oh my god, yeah, it was so bad. I'm reading this Wikipedia, and it doesn't say. It says he's currently still on the show. It says seasons three to present, and it just describes him as the new owner of the rival hotel to the Marbella, who serves as a new love interest for Petra. So, I'm not sure. There's also so many things to talk about. Like, oh my god, Fabian. Whew! I loved him. <laughs> loved him. Um, for a few episodes, I forgot Raphael existed. Uh, I will say. Oh my god. <laughs> Fabian. Oh my god, I love him. I also thought he was such a cute character. Like, he turned out to be a total douchebag who doesn't know how to handle his feelings. Um, very mature. But when he was growing as a person, thanks to Jane, like, it was super cute. I thought she was also kind of, like, mean to him. I mean, we've all been mean to men. Me more so than other women. <laughs> but, I don't know, I just felt like she could have given him more of a chance. But I guess if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. But I just He was kind of mean to him. Also, I yeah. feel like Adam handled the situation not the best, but I I think she was kind of unfair to him, too, because it, it was his dream, and she is, like, pursuing her dream of being a novelist, yeah. and I thought it was he, it was, like, it was, it was out of the blue, his exit, but also it was understandable, and I, like, her reaction, I thought, was very, um, dramatic, it was. Also, it's like you weren't together for that long. Why are you, do you think that he would stay in Florida when his dream job is in L.A.? Like, what? I just thought that was odd. That was super odd. And also, her dream job can be taken anywhere. So if the long distance thing worked out, they could figure it out later. But for her to be like, he needs to choose me or nah, I felt that was odd. And she also... Yeah. The way she freaked out when, like, he made that comment about Mateo and, like, she saw, she thought that he saw him as, like, a disturbance to their relationship. I was kind of just like, bruh, like, he's never had to deal with the concept of having a kid. And now this is thrown at him. It's also not his kid. I don't know. It was just. Yeah, it was like, sometimes she's very over the top which obviously she's flawed she's a regular character yeah. but she she behaved as though she expected him to be like michael which yeah. wasn't realistic because her and michael were already engaged and had been together for years yeah a very and long even time. michael hesitated 
and was like annoyed at the at first, but then obviously grew to love Mateo because he was there with her entire pregnancy. This guy just dropped into her life out of the blue and also still lived with roommates and was like still a child. Yeah, but again, it's like wasn't he like twenty three or twenty four? Like at that point, they're like twenty five. They're in their late twenties. Like they're not even thirties yet. Like. Most men, newsflash, most men at that age aren't super mature. Like, they have their moments where they are, but it's also, like, a majority of the time, or at least, like, a half the time, they're not mature, you know? Like, but, like, as well as anybody anybody else. I don't know. She was, she was harsh to him and to Fabian, but I guess <laughs> in the end it worked out because then she ended up with Raphael. But yeah, so we're ending on that. We're ending on the fact that we agree to disagree um, because, because, you know, life is about having different viewpoints and, you know, where would we be without that? So. That's much cool. Next and last segment, it's Dropped Call of the Week, and if you have been listening, which we hope you have for the past few episodes, um, basically this is where we, you know, drop a call on someone, or an event, or whatever, a situation, we drop the call because nobody has time for stupidity in their lives. So, Ariana, (laughs) what is your Dropped Call of this week? I'm very sad to be dropping this. It's a show. It's a show I really liked. And at one point, it's very it's very weird to me because at one point, I remember telling someone that Jane the Virgin and Unreal were my two favorite shows on TV. And then, obviously, I left Jane the Virgin like this whole episode has been talking about. But also, Unreal was delayed for a season. Or for a year, I should say. So, I also left that. And coming back to it, it's just, it's very disappointing because, you know, as we've been saying, Jane the Virgin continues to deliver, but Unreal has become, it's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as some people have written think pieces about, or opinion pieces, but it doesn't have the same, like, spark or originality that its first season had, and the season finale it even took me a while to watch it because like i said i just don't have really an interest anymore i used to love watching it each week and i watched the finale and to me it was written as a series finale and the one of the women on the show um the writers whatever did admit that they did not know if they were going to be renewed so they wrote it as a series finale but then it ends with a preview to season four who knows when this fourth season is going to come on, but I'm not sticking around for it because it just seemed so over the top, back to season two stuff. Season three wasn't as bad as season two, but it wasn't amazing. And my biggest issue, I will say, to like sum up the issues with Unreal. If you have not seen it, basically Unreal is, I should probably sort of said this before I started complaining about the show. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a behind-the-scenes look um, of the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise, but in the show it's called Everlasting. Instead of reality, it's a drama 
But basically, it's based off a ruthless producer who's no longer attached to the show um, and what she would do to get good content on screen. So it focuses on these two main women. One is the big bad producer, and then this other one is her protege, who's also a producer. Um, And the main one is also showrunner. And so basically, the first season, they had a suitor, um, just like they do in The Bachelor. And then the second season, the suitor's black a black male, which they have yet to have in The Bachelor. Bachelor, And then this season, it was the first time that they were going to do a female, like, in this everlasting world. So anyway, I will prep it. I will do some background. The second producer, not the main girl, but her protege, had a fiancé in the first season. She cheats on him. In the second season, he starts drinking a lot. He's, like, gained a, weight, a lot of weight. He's pissed at her. And he physically... Um, abuses her. Like he he assaults her somehow. I forgot. He either pushes her or something. But he goes off the deep end, and they show him abuse her. So I assume that he would not be brought back in the third season because there's like, in my eyes, once you have the character like do that to woman on screen, obviously they're the bad guy. Yeah. And in this season, I felt like for most of it, they were trying to redeem him and show. His all his crazy actions are based on how much he loves her, oh, and it okay. really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, hell no. And the writer said that he's not coming back for the fourth season. Like this is the end of his storyline, and it really they should have ended it in the first season because then they ruined the character in the second season, and then his last moments with the main character in the third season, like she literally says to him. Like, let's go leave this show and be damaged together. Like, she suggested they get back together. And he gives her this long speech, which, honestly, she needs to hear. But it should not be coming from him. Because it's basically this speech of how um, she is so toxic that he doesn't want to ever be around her anymore. And that it would please him to know that she would be alone forever because that's what's best for the world. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he tells her. And she is a toxic character, but coming from him, it's just like, what in the world? This guy abused her last season, and you're having him give this big speech of why she sucks as a character. And then she, like, longingly stares at him as he leaves, and that's his final scene. And it's just a good representation of how... Unreal has gone off the deep end and written these characters where it's not progression. It's just a loop of insanity. And I cannot deal with this anymore. So I am dropping Unreal from my DVR list. Yeah, that last bit sounds horrifying. That's like what people used to say when we were younger. I don't know if you got this. I got this a lot. But basically, like, when a boy was mean to me, it was like, oh, but that means he likes you. And it's like, what? That's such... Not only is it part of victim-blaming culture, but it's also just, like, hold men accountable for the shit that they do. Also, abuse is not... It's not part of the five love languages, okay? It's not a way to show that you like someone, so screw that. That's horrible. Yep. All right. Well... Going from fictional trashmen to real life trashmen, um, my dropped call of the week is um, to men on Tinder. I was interviewed for a, a North by Northwestern piece written by one of my friends, Paola, 
and she wrote um, about the fetish, I can't say this word, fetishization of women of color. And it really opened up my eyes to why, possibly why, it may not be because I'm Latina, but possibly why, like, Tinder is so, why I find Tinder so, like, toxic. And basically, (laughs) the reason I bring this up is because yesterday I went on Tinder for the first time in six months. I think probably since I was interviewed for this piece, and before then I hadn't gone on Tinder since, like, January of, like, while I was in Italy. And so I went on Tinder for the first time in forever, and the first guy that messages me, um, he, you know, it starts off as a demure, hey, how are you? Oh, great, this is gonna be a fun conversation. So, you know, feeling this guy out, seeing what he's doing, I see you just liked my tweet, Ariana. Yeah, as you're saying this, it popped up, and I'm scrolling, and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, is this what she's getting ready to tell me? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So anyways, we're having this conversation, and I can tell where he wants to go, because at this point, like I said before, I'm always sexualized in a weird way by all these men that I talk to on Tinder, and from what I can gather, a lot of other women, usually non-women of color, so white women, um, also don't have these problems, um, but I can never have a conversation with a man for more than five messages where he doesn't bring up something gross or sexual about me, and it's you know, it's a turnoff, honestly. But, so anyways, I was talking to this guy, and I could tell where he was going. Like, he wanted to, you know, talk dirty to me, which is, like, dude, I just met you. But, so then he was talking about how he's watching The Office, and I was like, yeah, I'm just chilling out. Then he said something, and I was like, yeah, I need to watch more of The Office, but I want to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine first, like, finish it. And then he w- he says something along the lines, oh, I'll pull the tweet up. I was like, so many decisions about, like, what to watch. And he goes, but could do that over here as well, dot, 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 even as you sit on my face. (laughs) I I got that message, and I was so angry. And I just replied with, see, here's what we're not going to do, because that's what we're not going to do. I'm going to unmatch you, and you're going to look like a dick. And I will put you on blast on Twitter, where I have over a 1,000 followers. Like, you look like a dick. I didn't hide his picture. I hope he sees it, and I hope his mother sees it. But I'm just, (laughs) I'm just done. I'm just done with Tinder. I thought I could give it a chance again. Like, hey, maybe it wasn't me, and it turns out it's not me. It's just trash men on Tinder. But that is not the place I'm ever going to meet anyone, it looks like. So I'm just going to stop. I really am. I always say this, but I think I'm going to stop now. I'm going to delete everything. I'm going to deactivate everything. I'm just, no more dating apps for me. I can't. I can't do this. It's sometimes fun to screw around with men in terms of, like, when they send stupid messages like this. Like, one time, right off the bat, a guy sent me a message about, like, giving him head or something. And I basically just responded with, so, what are your thoughts on the bastardization of feminist symbols? And he, you know just talked about giving head and I was like obviously we can't have a significant conversation here and obviously you're not a feminist so unmatch so I don't know but so that's who I'm dropping the call on this week is basically every Y chromosome on that godforsaken app that is so disgusting <laughs> be better be better he was so bad at men at men 
at men do better and don't bitch and complain when women are like ah oh, men are trash like statistically speaking i you know a majority of men are trash okay don't at me <laughs> you know who's not trash though ariana me oh yes you and me but men wise who would you say is not trash oh dylan o'brien he's a class act I was going to say Tom Holland. He is my favorite. Oh, my. <laughs> Why do you get to say Dylan O'Brien and I can't talk about my love for Tom Holland? This is not okay. Because I didn't know where you were going with this. I just, Dylan O'Brien, side note, Dylan O'Brien's Twitter has become such a fan account. And it, like, seems to me that all he's been doing lately is watching TV. And I love it. It makes me love him even more. Uh, you can continue talking about Tom. Um, well, uh, if... We had all day. I would, but we don't. All I want to say is that I have not stopped watching all and any of his interviews that he has ever done in his career. And I watched Spider-Man Homecoming for the second time in, like, a week. And I saw Infinity War for the second time this past week. So, not all because of him. Infinity War is possibly one of my favorite movies at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, there's just something about Tom. He is one of the most unproblematic celebrities, also. He is so, he's such a noodle. Like, he, he's so pure. And I love him so much. I am so excited to see what the rest of his career holds for him, you know? Fangirl to the max. <laughs> as much as I want to think that I grew out of being a fangirl, it just keeps coming back. And I don't appreciate it. I just need to stop, but I can't. Yeah, Alani has been sharing her fangirl over Tom with me, trying to get me on board. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, it's not going to happen, but uh, he's great as an actor. I enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, she did. She was telling me. She just doesn't think he's good looking, which I'm offended by, but whatever. I did not say that. I don't want anybody... Adding me on Twitter, okay? All the holidays. I said that I do. I am not attracted to him. That doesn't mean he's not attractive. He's not ugly Is or that anything. What that means, uh, sorry, I took it as you're like I don't find him attractive, or he's not attractive to me. I thought that meant that you. Yeah, didn't find okay. Him there are plenty of people that if you would look at them, you'd be like, okay, that's like he's not an ugly person. He's cute or whatever, but I'm not attracted to him. For example, <sighs> let me think. <laughs> Timothée Chalamet. Timothée Chalamet, I, I don't know her. Um, anyway. Um, so, I really just want to bring that up at one point. I just want to talk about <laughs> I just want to talk about in extent. We have a whole episode recorded that we never published where we talk about him and i kind of just want to publish that no <laughs> it's not happening Fine. and i'm still trying to think of somebody who's just considered attractive but i'm not attracted to him well that was beautiful i loved that you know talked about trash men but then we you know uplifted <laughs> uplifted <laughs> men by talking about two great men so there you go all right well, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Seriously Call Me. Um, tweet at us. Nice things. Don't be rude. 
But let us know. Let us know what you are thinking and what you want us to talk about. And yeah, so I've been Alani. And I've been Ariana. And thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.